Welcome back to another episode of The Mercurial. Um, you're here with me, your pal Larry. Hi, how are you? How you going? How's your, how's your weekend, everybody? You good? I wish I was good. <laughs> I mean, I'm not bad. I, I think I'm just coming down with something, so please excuse the lackluster performance on my side. We, I'll, I'll try. I'll try and give you something. Um, but you know, thanks for being here today. I want to talk to you about Cinderella. Um, so this is part of the whole, you know, mythology, folk tales, fables around the world. I wanted to share with you. So Cinderella is probably one of, if not the most well-known tale. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to share some some information with you about that today. Um, but if you if you ever have any suggestions or thoughts or feelings, something you want to express. Please find me on Instagram at Mercurial Podcast or email at mercurial.podcast at gmail.com. You can try Twitter or Facebook if you want, but I'm never really on there. But you know, whatever, whatever your flow is. Anyway, let's get into the show. Alright, let's let's get into let's get into Cinderella. So Cinderella, you know, originally it's a it's a folktale and um, it narrates the ultimate story of unjustified oppression being overcome with a happy ending, um, you know, and overcoming adversity with triumph. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty, I think a pretty common template for a lot of folk, folk tales. Um, and it's mostly com- like commonly known to share the struggle of a young female protagonist and she's in shitty circumstances and gets switched up for one reason or another. So the first, first, first known documentation of Cinderella falls around about oh, early, early days. I'm talking like 7 BC, I think it's like 7 BC to about 23 AD. And it was around this Greek slave girl who married the king of Egypt. You, you can kind of, you know, get the gist of it. Um, the most well-known version, obviously, of Cinderella that we know of is the one that's been told by the Brothers Grimm. Uh, it was in the Grimm's Fairy Tales collection back in 1812. And, you know, through history, there have been so many various retellings of Cinderella or different tellings, depending on what culture and spanning all these different storylines, different languages. So many so that the the word itself, Cinderella, has just come to reflect that particular ideology of one who suffers through neglect or obscurity before being catapulted into success and recognition. So Cinderella, uh, she's become this famous influential figure in modern pop culture. She's everywhere, right? And even to this day is responsible for a lot of <laughs> some really heinous straight to TV films that have been a waste of my my life. I've watched some terrible, like kind of Disney Channel, like Hallmark-esque made for TV films with a Cinderella story plotline and ugh, so bad. I feel really, really feel for the talent in those in those movies i don't know if it's just poor acting or if it's just a really bad script bad directing i don't know but there's some heinous ones out there um and it's just anyway <laughs> back to original point so there's, there's so much influence of from cinderella on pop culture she's like the ultimate the summation of a persecuted female right of course um the one we all know disney's rendition of cinderella um i think the film was anna it was released around about february 15th 1950 and it was disney's um it's the first cinderella release right um this particular one 
The animated film was based on a 17th century fairy tale by this dude, I think it was a French dude named Charles Poirot. Um, he's the guy who was also responsible for writing like Sleeping Beauty, Little Red Riding Hood. I think he did uh, Bluebeard. Um, actually, yeah, he actually had a hand in Puss in Boots as well. Ah, Puss in Boots. Anyway, <laughs> back to the main point. So Cinderella um, was Disney's 12th animated feature film and it became this huge hit for Disney who at the time they were like struggling to recover from some huge flops um these films i'm sure no one's really ever heard of them Um, but a couple of them called pinocchio fantasia bambi box office flops something's going down okay so the studio was in, I think it was like millions of dollars a day, maybe like $4 million um, at around about this time. So I think 1950, it's just, you know, World War II had only ended maybe five years earlier. And they've lost all these connections in the Eurofilm industry due to World War II. So when Cinderella, when Cinderella uh, was released and was successful, um, both as a commercial and a critical hit it was a huge deal right it was a huge deal for disney and it really really turned the tides on uh, their success of course after that disney's back on the game they're releasing more great content whatever so through history up until now cinderella itself through disney has been re-released maybe five times in cinemas since its original run um as like most recently i think it was around about 2013 they did a limited run at some cinema over in the states and then of course many 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 years later disney released a whole bunch of sequels (laughs) they did um cinderella 2 dreams come true cinderella 3 a twist in time not to mention the live action adaptation in 2015 which was the clip i played at the beginning with um kate blanchett and all these other people um then of course cinderella herself has had countless cameos in a whole stack of other disney franchises there was a small stage musical production for children's theaters and schools there was a kids music album um you know they they super capitalized on their winning horse being cinderella i mean the whole bibbidi bobbidi boo thing i don't know if you've heard of that tiktok trend that's that's cinderella right anyway so just as a, a brief recap we all know the general gist of of, of disney cinderella so her parents died when she was small um she pretty much works as a maid for the stepmother who's this hella nasty ass bitch seems to be jealous of her beauty her grace she's miss united states sorry um she makes friends with like the mice and the birds then um you've got uh, the prince i wanted to call him prince henry but that's an ever after thing i don't know the disney animated prince whatever so his parents are pressuring him to get married um and they're like yo we're gonna host a huge ball for you blah 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 blah. cinderella's stepmother is like yeah yeah, yeah, you can come to the ball if your chores are done you know you've got an outfit but you know even though she finishes all her shit despite them giving her extra chores to do she she still gets done um they all take off and her animal friends end up helping her improve this dress that she found that was her mother's dress um and apparently her bitch ass siblings wear all the accessories um that were meant to go with the dress and they've torn the shit out of it and they've you know pretty much left it behind so cinderella's devastated and she's out in the garden crying and then boom magical bitch fairy godmother appears she transforms the pumpkin into a 
carriage, all that jazz. I'm in Cinderella, I guess to go to the ball. Yay. Um, so I don't know, why, why are balls called balls? What's up with that? We're, we're having a ball. Having a ball? We're going to a ball. Anyway, so she's got till midnight, right? Um, and the prince is this cheeky, cheeky motherfucker. He's, he, he's, um, you know, just swiping left on bitches, <laughs> pretty much. He doesn't want nothing to do with any room until he sees Cinderella. And, you know, if we have a moment to cast our minds back to that, that ever after bit. Um, if y'all remember that film, Drew Barrymore, she enters in the most amazing costume ever. And she's all like shimmery and Prince Henry, um, I think he's played by Douglas Scott. He sees her and he's like, damn. <laughs> anyway, she's looking like a shimmery goddess. So, you know, the song, um, you know, sorry, you know, sorry. She loses a glass slipper, uh, blah, 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 blah. And, um, yeah, they end up living happily ever after. That's an animated series, obviously. So, that's the Cinderella we all know. I wanted to share a different type of Cinderella story with you today. Um, but one that was like, it's it's not, you know, the commonly shared one, which I think is the, the Grimm's Brothers one, where the stepsisters cut their feet up to squeeze their feet into the slipper when the priest comes calling. No, 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 no. I don't want to share that one. I want to share with you the story of Tam and Cam hang in there with me so the story of Tam and Cam is this ancient Vietnamese fairy tale about two half sisters so I think they've got the same dad but different mums um, Tam's mother she died in her early childhood and her dad remained um, remarries not long afterward um, and they have a child together named Cam so the stepmother generally generally heinous um, she is the basic Cinderella stepmother ho who forces her to do all the work in the house and Cam just pretty much just spoiled she does nothing and so Tam's pretty much like a live-in maid so one day this gross stepmother tells Tam and Cam to head to this field to catch um, some, I think it's called tep, it's, it's a shrimp, right? And she tells them whoever gets the, the most shrimp will be gifted this new red yum, which is like a traditional Vietnamese bodice. Um, and you know, yay, I mean, who wouldn't want one, you know what I mean? So they go to this field thing. Tam smashes it, like she fills her basket easily, Cam's playing around the water, she doesn't really, you know, she's just fucking around, whatever. She catches nothing, and as the day is pretty much over, and she realises it, like Tam, not Tam, Cam, Cam's like, fuck, like, <laughs> I messed up, I got no shrimp in here, and you know, Tam's about to go get this and your outfit, and she's like, nah man, sabotage, I'm coming for you. So Cam's like, yo, you know, Tam, can you wash my hair? Like, I'm worried that, you know, mother will get mad if she comes home covered in dirt. And she's like, you know, I've caught all these shrimp, and Tam, because she's a sweet lamb of God, um, she's like, yep, no worries, I'll wash your hair for you. And so while Tam is washing her sister's hair and distracted, Cam transfers all the shrimp into her own basket but they pretty much before they finish up and they go home what a devious bitch right how does she even manage that i mean like i'm like you're washing your hair how did you not notice she's moving all the shrimp out of the basket anyway i don't know maybe they wash hair different over there i don't know she's lying back something <laughs> anyway so um 
when Tam notices that all the shrimp are gone from her basket, she's devastated. She's like, wow, I spent the whole day working on this and they're all gone. And she just starts crying. She's in this full panic. She knows her stepmother is gonna, you know, lay hands on her as punishment because she fucked up. And so she's, you know, sitting there crying. And then this like wise man appears and he's this dude in Vietnamese folklore that's known to like help pitiful people um, so he must have taken some deep pity on Tam he's peers anyway he's there and he's like yo why are you crying and Tam's like hey this is what happened Cam like my, my fish because it's all oh, I'm sorry my shrimp's all gone and he's like yo stop crying <laughs> check your basket girl so Tam is like okay <laughs> checks her basket and there is one item inside and it's a fish a goby a goby a gobby a goby I'm with a goby yep we'll stick with that so this wise man says raise the fish in a well with your rice and this incantation was poem to call the fish up um and so he gives this thing i might interrupt in like clipping the audio later but um a lot of it's in vietnamese so without this he says so without the proper incantation the gobi is not gonna rise um and then he's like boom he out of there Tam, she follows the wise man's advice and her gobi is growing significantly he is a beautiful fish she bonds with it it's like her pet you know she summons it up she shares her thoughts and feelings and the fish being a fish kind of just lends his silent support to her in return he's a good fish he's a good boy meanwhile Tam's stepmother is getting hella sus. She and Cam are like what is that bitch doing over there over time and they're like okay let's go find out so they head to this place where she's got her fish in the well or whatever and they find the fishy friend as well as a written copy of the poem that tam uses to summon it oh damn you done messed up like it's like you don't leave your pin number outside so someone use your card anyway it's in a bitch fit the stepmother devises this plan to get tam away from the fish so they can kill it she tells tam my daughter, the village has prohibited using the field tomorrow. You should graze our buffalo far away or else they shall seize them. She also tells Tam to leave her coat behind and Tam, because she is a dutiful stepdaughter, obeys without question. She is not sus. So while Tam, the next day, is a long distance away, grazing their buffalo in a faraway field, the stepmother dresses Cam in Tam's clothes and they travel to the gobby's well. And Cam recites the Wiseman's poem and the Gobi appears thinking this is his friend Tam because she is dressed in Tam's clothes. And so in his moment of vulnerability, thinking he's with his friend, Cam and the stepmother, they butcher the fish. He dead. R.I.P. Gobi. Anyway, Tam comes home and she's like, oh, what a day. I'm going to go head over for a chat with Gobi. So she calls it up, but all that happens is a whole bunch of blood is just bubbling to the surface. And she's like, fuck, my mate's dead. (laughs) She's wrecked. She's devastated. She's like, this is the one thing she confides in while she's living in this like horror show with this stupid half-sister and stepmother. 
and so she cries by the well and who else appears other than the wise man he's like yo why are you crying now and she's like this is what happened my fish is dead blah 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 blah. he's like look your gobi they have eaten cry no more collect its bones put them in four jars and bury them under your bed legs and so again tam follows the wise man's instructions she buries a jar compiled of the bones of her friend underneath the posts or the legs of her bed and forgets about it sometime later the king announces he's hosting a festival inviting people from all across the land to attend including tam and her family and in standard stepmother fashion knowing tam wants to attend the festival stepmother mixes up a bag of a big bag of rice big bag of bran mixes them all together and says tam you need to separate the rice from the bran before you can join the festival celebrations or else if you don't get it done by the time i get home from the festivities y'all gonna get beat you're gonna be punished what a bitch anyway so again tam cries out at the unfairness she's like what is my life the wise man appears to hear the current you know situation the current state of things this time he summons sparrows to help her sort the rice and the bran as well as giving her another poem to prevent the sparrows from eating the bran and rice that she's meant to be sorting he then tells her to go dig up the jars that she's buried you know the 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 jars of the gobi's bones underneath her bed and bring them over so that she opens up the first two jars and they're silk clothes so there's a scarf and there's a red yum and then the third jar has a tiny horse that grows to a full size and the fourth jar has a saddle for the horse and tam is shook she's washing up and she gets dressed in the clothing and she rushes to that festival on horseback but while crossing the bridge she drops a slipper and she's like that she's gone i can't get it back i ain't gonna waste time i'm heading over to the festival later on the king crosses the same bridge and he's riding an elephant god damn bitch is balling hard anyway he's riding this elephant and the elephant begins to growl and his tusks are lowered to the earth beneath them he's like my elephant's messed up something's going on so curious the king's like yo my gods my soldiers my dudes canvas this area (laughs) something has disturbed my mount (laughs) i'm assuming that's what he says anyway underwater one of the soldiers finds a slipper and hands it to the king the king studies it he's like hmm this some fancy shit he deduces that it must belong to a gracious woman we gotta give this shoe back right (laughs) so he gets to the festival and all the women he comes across he asks them to try it on to try and find the owner of the slipper because whomever fits the slipper shall be his bride (laughs) now if that's not the definition of mercurial i don't know what is so bitches gone crazy they're like yo we want to be this queen but nobody fits this shoe like everyone tries it on nobody fits it tam gets there at some point and she's like yo that's my shoe that i dropped on like what the heck so seeing it she approaches it to try it on and then her stepmother and cam see her they're like why would you even bother that's not your shoe you dumb hoe and they're mocking her pretty much for trying for even trying but boom that slipper fits because that's her shoe you can back the fuck up now cam and your mom anyway she pulls out the other shoe (laughs) she had put away because obviously the pair was broken and she has both of the shoes on and the king's like yo that's my girl (laughs) 
he's like, we're going to get married. <laughs> and stepmother and sister are just like, this is fucked up. And they're jelly. Right? So yeah, it's um, Tam's happy ending. Or is it? You think this is the end? Hell no. There's some messed up shit happening. So the king weds Tam. They're happy. But Tam's father's, his death anniversary is approaching. Um, which is a vet that they celebrate in Vietnam. And so Tam returns to her childhood home to help her stepmother prepare for the celebration, the death anniversary celebration. Because even though she a queen, she ain't above honouring her late father. And that's my bitch. Like, she seems like someone I would want to be friends with. Anyway, so she's there at her childhood home with her stepmother, with Cam, and you know, the bitterness between them, it's never settled. They never resolved anything. They're still all mad, um, but they're keeping it to themselves. They're trying to be civil, um, but you know, obviously there's tension. And even despite, you know, how poorly she was treated growing up there, Tam still treats them with kindness and respect, even though they're nasty assholes. There's more than they deserve. So, Everything seems like it's going well, but at some point, Stephen's like, Tam, can you climb this tree to gather some of this fruit for the ceremony? I can't, um, I'm too old to climb it, and like your sister can't climb or some shit like that. And so Tam's like, yo, sure, I'll get this fruit for my dad. And she climbs a tree, and as she's climbing, the stepmother cuts it down, and Tam dies. She dies. This was this fucking happy ever after. What the, what the fuck? Anyway, so Tam dead. The stepmother, she gets Tam's clothes and she gives them to Cam to wear. And Cam returns to the palace and lies to the king. She's like, yo, Tam accidentally drowned in their pond. You know, I was so sorry. But as my duty, I'm here to fill Tam's position and become your wife. Oh, fuck this bitch, man. Really knock a bitch out. Like, oh, God. I can't stand people like this. Anyway, king is devastated he is like oh my wife and you know he just doesn't see an alternative he's grieving he's like yo whatever um he agrees to the marriage but they don't have a happy relationship he mostly just ignores cam and he just continues mourning tam like he's a late wife tam in silence how sad that was his true love i suppose anyway during this time so tam dead i'm assuming they've disposed and buried her body or some shit but she reincarnates into this bird and she flies straight to the king as soon as she's born she's like yo that's my dude and on her way she (laughs) she's like going off about cam not properly washing the king's clothes like not looking after the husband properly but as soon as she sees the king she's like oh there he is and she sings out to him as a bird right obviously not in english the king is still deep in his mourning for his wife and so when he sees this bird and this bird singing at him he's I'm, i'm assuming he's a little bit mad with grief or whatever but he starts speaking to it he's like if you are my wife enter my sleeve i'm assuming he has like those really big like droopy sleeves like traditional clothing or something anyway so he says you my wife enter and so the bird does and he's like this my wife she's reincarnated and i know it and he becomes you know refocused on spending all his time alone with the bird and just like being in her company ignores cam even more and his attachment grows so strong for this reincarnated 
um, soul of his wife that he builds a cage for Tam to hang out in when he can't be with her and he's got to do, you know, his royal shit. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. <coughs> Excuse me. So Cam, still an insane bitch, relays all this information to her mom. She's like, this is what's going on. The king's spending all this time with this bird. He's ignoring me, blah, 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 blah. And her mom goes, this is a stepmother, right? She's like, kill the bird, eat it, and then bury the feathers in the royal garden. And that's exactly what she does. Um, yeah. And when the king realizes that the bird is missing, Cam lies to him again. And she's like, oh, I didn't know you were so attached to the bird. It flew away when I was trying to feed it. <laughs> I don't know why I'm putting a voice on now. Fuck this bitch. Anyway. So the king goes into grieving again. He's like, why? Why? And it just overall the whole thing sucks, right? But more time passes in the place where Cam has buried the feathers of bird Tam. <laughs> calling a bird Tam. These two peach trees begin to grow and they grow in such a way that the shape bends to provide shade for the king. The king sees this and he's like, it's another sign from Tam. So he asks his people to bring a cot for him so he can nap beneath the peach trees every day. That's he's like honoring his wife, right? But Cam, oh, this fucking bitch, again, in her jealousy, she chops the trees down because she's like, oh, you know, we needed to make a loom to weave you some new clothes. You're the king. You got to have new clothes. I'm so exasperated by this hoe. Anyway, <laughs> so he's like, oh. Like, you know, just imagine the sigh. Like, he's every time he finds a moment of peace to just be with this form of his wife, his, his ex, I should say, his late wife, his current hoe wife, fucks everything up. Anyway, so while Cam is weaving the clothes, she hears Tam's voice start to accuse her of stealing her husband. Um, and so and she hears Tam curse her as the loom is moving, right? Threatening to hack her eyes out or some shit. And Cam's like, hell to the no <laughs> so she decides to burn the loom because she just can't like she needs to decimate any existence of tam in any creation in their castle or whatever that they're basically living in and so she gets the ashes from the loom and she throws them far away from the castle she's like be gone <laughs> this cam just tries so hard she's like all i want is this good life and this tam keep messing it up says beth I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I feel bad for you. Anyway, so she thinks, yes, I'm done. I've got the king. All traces of Tam are gone. So what she doesn't know is that where she's dumped the ashes, the wind is carrying the ashes of the loom further down to whatever part of the country they go to. And they finally settle down on this patch of land. And from that patch sprouts this amazing, magnificent golden apple tree. It's like perfection of a tree. It grows there and it bears one golden apple. One day this, this old woman is eventually, you know, she's passing by. She's a bit of a crone and she smells the sweet scent of the golden apple. And she's lured to the tree and she looks at it and she's like, wow. And she recites this poem to the tree, asking the tree to release its fruit to her because she only wants to smell it. She doesn't want to eat the golden apple. The tree decides, okay, yeah, sure. 
have an apple. <laughs> and she, the tree, deposits the apple into her basket. So the old lady takes it home. She places it there. It's like a piece of decor. She doesn't eat it. She keeps her word. She's not going to eat it. And then at some point, the old lady's like, what? She turns around and all her chores are done. Her housework is complete and there's a meal prepared for her when she gets into the house. And she's like, heck, this is wild. So the next day, she's she's like, I need to find out what the deal is with this apple. And so she pretends to leave her house, but she switches up, she turns around and she sees a woman appear from the apple. And it's damn. <gasps> Tam will not say no. She, what do we say to death today? Tam says no. Okay, the old lady, she peels the skin off the the golden apple pretty much once with Tam exits it. And then she just declares Tam her adopted daughter. Oh, I mean, like, does she have a memory? It doesn't specify if she has a memory of her former life or whatever. I'm assuming she does. Anyway, time passes. And the king is traveling the land and he comes across this old crone's house and he decides to take a brief respite because he's weary. His bones are weary. I'm pretty sure they imply in the story that this is like the span between events is like quite long. So it's like years, right? That have passed since the whole original incident. Um, anyway, so the, the king decides to take a break. The crone's like, yo, come into my house. Let me offer you some snacks and she offers him some beetle leaf and the king's like yo what because <laughs> it's prepared the exact same way that tam did for him when they were married so the king's like yo old lady who made this <laughs> he's super sus and the crone's like oh my daughter prepared this and he's like well i want to see her and nobody's like yo okay whatever and tam is presented the king's like whoa my wife <laughs> And he instantly welcomes her back to the palace. They're reunited. The power couple are back on the scene. Except we've forgotten that Cam's still around. She's still there. She's hanging on. She's like, heck, <laughs> can't win. And she just looks at Tam and she's like, Tam looks so good. And she approaches her and she's like, yo, what's your beauty secret? But Tam's like, why would I want to talk to you, you dumb bitch? Like, what? But she ends up saying something to her like, do you want to know what the secret of my beauty is? Then listen to me. Um, and then Cam, because she's a dumb bitch, immediately agrees to whatever Tam says. And Tam's like, okay, jump down this hole. <laughs> so Cam's like, okay. Because she's so vain. She's like, I want to know how to reverse my aging. So she downs the hole. Um, she downs the hole. <laughs> she gets down the hole. And then Tam commands the royal soldiers to pour boiling water onto Cam. And it kills her. Like it would kill anyone. Um, and then Tam uses Cam's corpse to make this fermented sauce. The same way that they make a fish sauce. Um, and then she bottles it. And sends the sauce to her stepmother. Saying it's a gift from Cam. And the stepmother doesn't believe any different. She's like oh a gift from my daughter. Amazing. And so she. She's like this sauce is amazing. She uses it with her meals every day. And then you know. Everything seems to be okay. But this crow is flying over the house. And senses what's going on, and he cries out, Delicious! The mother is eating her own daughter's flesh. Is there any left? Give me some. <laughs> Gross. Anyway, the stepmother gets mad about it, and she's just like, What are you talking about, you dumb bird? But it isn't until she reaches the bottom of the jar 
that she finds a skull. And when she realizes it's Cam's skull, she just dies of shock. Anyway, and they all lived happily ever after. The end. <laughs> and that's the story of Tam and Cam, the Vietnamese edition of Cinderella. So I believe when they actually tell the kid-friendly version of this tale, they leave Tam's revenge out. Um, or they stop at the bit where she marries the king. And then they don't have like the revenge sequence and <laughs> have any of that play out afterwards. But you know, there you have it. Tam and Cam, you can find it on YouTube in both animated and live action forms, but it's all in Vietnamese. Um, so find subtitles if you can. <laughs> or learn Vietnamese. Or if you already understand it, good for you. Um, but yeah, if you enjoyed hearing this alternative Cinderella story and would like to hear more folk tales or fables from around the world, let us know on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter at MercurialCast, email mercurialpodcast at gmail.com, or if you have an idea or recommendation, the same deal. Um, but you know, that's it for today. Oh, that took a lot out of me. Thanks for being here. Catch you next time.